This is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. Welcome back, Americana Podcast listeners. It's that time of year again, it seems. The days have gotten shorter, the leaves are changing, and many of us are beginning to break out our warmer layers. Unless you're in the South, which I hear the summer weather seems to be maintaining a death grip on. Although it hasn't totally shaken itself off, we had quite the summer ourselves, filled with lots of trials and a lot of tribulations as our host Robert L. Keane embarked on his final tour after 41 years on the road. Fortunately, one of the things that kept us all going was the opportunity to reunite with old friends along the way, including one who happens to be our guest today. On this episode of Americana Podcast, we welcome blues singer-songwriter Paul Thorne. Born in Kenosha, Wisconsin, but raised in Tupelo, Mississippi, Paul Thorne has had quite the journey himself during the course of his own musical career. Born the son of a Pentecostal preacher, Thorne's musical upbringing began in the church, but he did not pursue a professional music career until about the 90s. In 1997, Thorne recorded his first record, Hammer and Nail, and shortly after landed a gig with legendary manager Miles Copeland and his boutique label, Arc 21. Opening for Sting right off the bat, Thorne would later go on to play with artists like Mark Knopfler, Jeff Beck, Richard Thompson, and John Prine. Thorne is coming off the release of his 2021 record, Never Too Late to Call, and is already looking towards the future. So join us as this was recorded at Natchez 4th of July celebration as our host, Robert Earl Keane, discusses with Paul Thorne about upbringing, songwriting, and the road ahead. And stay tuned at the end of the episode for a bonus interview with Mississippi power trio, The B3, for their thoughts on our beloved but poorly named organ, The B3. I'm your producer, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, The 51st State. I'm still here. I'm still Howdy everyone, this is Robert O'Keefe. You're listening to Americana Podcast, the 51st State, and today's super special guest, and we're so happy to be in his home state, Paul Thorne. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Robert? Man, uh, just rocking along, just uh, enjoying the day, especially what we're talking about, July the 2nd, is that right, today? I believe it is. Yeah, man, yeah. and it's nice and cool, huh? It feels pretty good. The clouds has gotten over us a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, the clouds... That, that reminds me, like the clouds, uh, one of the times that I remember vividly about playing with you was at that mud festival there in Memphis, Tennessee, yeah. and that it just rained and rained and rained, yeah. and then like you got up and it kind of stopped, and like your set was like great, and then <laughs> wow. it rained again, and then we got kind of a little sprinkled during our set, and then the force of God came in well, and, and uh, remember, had Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah, well, if you would have... You were, if you were serving the Lord like I was, you wouldn't have got struck with all that calamity. <laughs> you got to be right with the Lord to get the good results. I, I understand, but I, I, well, what do you think uh, Jerry Lee was doing when, like, when that was? You know, like he was not going to play, and then I think it was like Captain Dan and Forrest Gump. It yeah. was blowing so hard. He's like, God is not going to stop me from playing, and then he got yeah. out there. Yeah, and that hair was like blowing like four feet from his head. I remember that. It's, it was neat to see somebody like that. It? it was really neat. To it see really somebody. was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was really crazy. But uh, so, would people consider you like uh, the the uh, the the king of Mississippi music these days? <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, I don't know, really but, know the answer to that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I did get my own. I did get a day. 
Uh-huh. March 26th is Paul Thorne Day in Mississippi. No kidding. Yeah, I got That's a day, and uh, they got me a little plaque for my my small contribution to the really to the arts. Yeah, fantastic. So, so I mean, and I didn't have to get assassinated to get a day, <laughs> like some do. <laughs> but now, if you want to get your name on the highway, you're gonna have to bite one. You're gonna have to bite the dust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, you know, they can have the highway as far as I, I'll, 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 I'll take the road less traveled. You know, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, me too. Now, so, so um, you you've been uh, doing well for the last year and a half, and you you were uh, mentioned that you, you had quit drinking. Is that right? I did quit drinking. Yeah. You know, you know the lifestyle of being on the road. Ever, you know. Those people that come to the show, they maybe go to a show once a year. Yeah. And so when they go, they let the brakes off, man. Yeah, yeah. And they want you to do it with them. Right. And, and I fell into that, and, and maybe you can understand what I'm talking about, if anybody can. And, and it got to a point where every, literally every day I'd wake up with a hangover. And I, I was ruining my health, but what really made me quit was my daughter, my 18-year-old daughter. She told my wife, she didn't say it to me, but she told my wife that... Uh, when I was drinking, she felt alone. Huh. And as a father, that, yeah. that that hit me right in the gut. And it was after that, I didn't I didn't even have to try. I wanted to quit drinking. Right, right. And I, and I just did it, man. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. just did it. Well, my wife ordered me a book uh, uh-huh. called the uh, the Thirty Day Sobriety Solution. Uh-huh. And it's a little book. You read a chapter each day, uh-huh. and they give you little uh, little tasks to do. Yeah. And like anything, it's only going to work if you want it to work. Right. Sure. But at that time, I wanted it to work, and yeah. it. it I'm feeling better than I've ever felt. Is that right? Yeah, yeah and you know, and a lot of the reason I drank to start with was anxiety and insecurity yeah. right before I go on stage, yeah. you know, because because people would hype me up too much. They said, we brought our friends, we told them how great you are, and then I'm You're the king of Mississippi. Yeah, yeah, and I got a day, come on. <laughs> but you know, I just, uh, anxiety and getting nervous what really started. Yeah. And then yeah. two drinks before I went on stage turned into three, turned uh-huh. into four. Yeah. And then there were times I got sloppy on yeah. stage, and. It's, uh, it ain't for me no more. Yeah, it right. ain't for me no more. Right. So, uh, so since you since you've done that, uh, like, how's your songwriting and your clarity as far as like like attacking what you do it's as like an artist? A, it's like a turn on the switch. Really? Yeah. Because when you're when you're spending your day recovering, uh-huh. you can't do nothing creative. Right. Man. Right. You're just trying to live. Yeah. Trying to survive. Right. Absolutely. But yeah, now that I've quit drinking, I'm I'm, I'm writing all the time. And yeah. I'm really happy with stuff I'm getting. Uh-huh, yeah. 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 So what record are you on now? Uh, well, the last one I did was, I believe it was number 14. Uh, wow, and, uh, that's amazing. I, I recorded it at uh, Sam Phillips' place in uh, Memphis where, you know, Elvis recorded and everything. Right. And, uh, and it came out good, you know, and I'm real proud of it. Uh, but in today's world, as you know, when you put a record out, you're just like a needle in a haystack, sure. man. I yeah. mean, yeah. it's so hard to get a, uh, draw attention to anything now. Yeah. Absolutely, you, know? you can't compete with you know funny cat videos. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know when people are scrolling for something to look at or listen to, yeah. <laughs> you can't compete with that. No, no, I, I know. You know, I you know. can put out you can put out the greater you can put out a song an album where every single song was as good as Sunday Morning Coming Down. Yeah, and it it might not ever see the daylight. Yeah. Because, yeah. like I said, there's so much content. Right. There's gajillions of records coming out every day. Right. You know? But so. you, do, you do have a really strong fan base of I do. people that just totally love your songs, right? And I do. And, I, and part of that, you know, I, I give you credit for some of that yeah. because uh, when I met you, uh, I was out in California and I was uh, the first radio station to ever play me was K Pig. Uh huh. And Laura Hopper, who was a programmer, loved Laura. She uh, she heard my first record and she liked it. She started playing it, and I, through that experience, I got to come out to the uh, what them things hoedowns they called them. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, the K Pig K Pig hoedown. Yeah, right. It was a big thing where you were like the headliner, yeah. and I got to get in front of your crowd right. and. And that actually helped me build an audience. And then after opening up for you, you yeah. may not remember this, but opening up for you several times, yeah. I was able to get come back after me and you did shows together six right. months later right. and do my own show. And right. a lot of those people came to see me. And so now I have a strong following in, in Santa Cruz and, and I have a decent following everywhere. Right, right. And so, you know, it's just getting out there and hammering it. Yeah. Like sure. you do yeah, and, sure. and getting, uh, giving a, gr- you got to do a good show. Sure. 
or they won't come back. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, I try to make a good show. And yeah. You always have a good right. show. Right. And one of the things I like to talk about, I think we share, is uh, this. Uh, it's either this need or obsession to like talk to our audience and, and you know set up set up a, set oh, up yeah. a song or yeah. talk about what happened during the day. So I mean, tell me how, how about like you know how much is that like uh, you know off the cuff and some of it like you know that are like just basically. Uh, bullet points that you hold on to to start some kind yeah, of discussion. You got well. I got a lot of things in my pocket I can pull out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but but if I, as much as I can, I try to get something spontaneous that's going on. But right. If I, if I'm not hitting on that, yeah. I'll go back to my things I know work. You know yeah. what I'm talking so about. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, uh, that's what I want to ask you about. I'm, it const I'm constantly writing down something uh -huh. all the time, right. and uh, that might be a good bit for. Uh, right. It's not unlike a, it's not unlike a comedian. Right. You know, because you go out and you, you write little ideas down and you try them out. And if it doesn't work that night, you yeah. don't do it no more. Yeah. And then by the time you tweak your set, you got this blistering set yeah. and you got everybody. Yeah. I mean, even in normal conversation, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but you're truly a really funny guy. And you do just, you're so quick. Well, my dad, things. thank you for saying that. My, yeah. my dad's a Pentecostal preacher. Yeah. And my uncle, his brother, was a pimp. <laughs> I swear to God. No, I swear to God, this is the truth. My uncle was a pimp. He made his living putting women on the corner. I'm not, I don't glorify that. It's a terrible thing, but that's the reality of my upbringing. And so pimps and preachers have one thing in common. They have extreme gift for gab. Uh -huh. And they're extremely good at um, uh, connecting with people uh, and manipulating people yeah, yeah. Uh, ministering to people yeah, yeah. Uh, throwing people under the bus whatever it takes <laughs> to get through the day <laughs> well it's just a great part of your personality is to uh, be able to be so quick and and uh, you know uh, like you know humorous in your uh, so songs like the eight hundred pound Jesus thing you yeah know? Uh, yeah tell yeah, me about that, that song I, okay I, yeah I, I, I mean, right. it's a good it's a great one so my just, dad my dad has a statue of Jesus in his yard yeah. that weighs eight hundred pounds yeah, right. and that's how that's how it got started because yeah. I, I asked him how much this weighs at eight hundred pounds yeah. so <laughs> so I thought about making it a, a song that that promoted Jesus. Uh -huh. And when you hear the title, you might think it's a comedy song, but yeah. it's not because yeah. it, it's a poignant song about yeah. having something to lean on. Uh -huh. And I put it out and it, people it's become one of my fan favorites and uh, the country group Sawyer Brown, uh -huh. they recorded it. No kidding. They recorded I've never heard that recording. Yeah, I've, I've had they, a lot of cuts on them guys, but how did they do? I mean, how does it well, sound? Well, they did they did they did good. Yeah. And, and to make a long story short, uh it got uh, they had the Ryman at the Ryman Auditorium. They had the Christian Country Music Awards, and 800 Pounds Jesus got Song of the Year. Wow! Yeah. I did not know that. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, got Song of the Year, man. Wow, that is something else. It, it did, but but when I got that song recorded by, you'll understand this too. When I got it recorded by Sawyer Brown, yeah, they're Sawyer Brown. They got a big name, uh -huh. but their day at radio had passed. Uh -huh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Sure, I do. And yes, so, so I, I have the honor of you know having Christian Country Song of the Year, and they sung my song, but it never got that mass listenership sure. that, you, that you get from a you know you know a song about yeah, a career song. A, I don't have any tailgate songs. Yeah. This is your home state, aren't you? Mississippi. Yeah. yeah, Mississippi. Born, born what? Well, born? I was actually born in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Oh! But my father, being a minister, he uh, we, we were he was pastoring in, in, in Wisconsin. Uh, but as a child, they we got moved to a Mississippi because uh, preachers get transferred a lot. Yeah. So I don't have any memory of of Wisconsin, but that's where I got shot out into the world. Right. right. My grandfather was a Methodist minister, and. Uh, most everybody else, and then there's several other ministers in my family, and the rest of them are all teachers. So instead of, of, of pimps and, and preachers, I came from teachers and preachers. You well, know? And so yeah. I get a lecture no matter which way I turn. Well, you know how to talk. You yeah. know how to talk, too. Right. Right. You're like me. You know absolutely. what to say and what not to say. Right, right. Absolutely. Most of the time. Absolutely. So you 
grew up in, in what town here, Mississippi? Tupelo, Mississippi. Tupelo, Mississippi. It's uh, the birthplace of Elvis Presley. And, man, yeah. yeah. And uh, God, what was that? 1935, I guess. Wasn't it? Was he born 1935? Uh, January 8th. Anyway, so so uh, so Tupelo's not far from Memphis, right? No, it's about an hour and a half drive. Yeah, yeah. And so back to that Sam Phillips thing. Had you ever recorded at Sam Phillips Studio before? I had one, the previous album I did was a gospel. I did a gospel album with the Blind Boys of Alabama. Oh, cool. I did that, and, uh, and then I did that at Sam Phillips, and I did the new one at Sam Phillips yeah. as well. Yeah. And um, How is that experience? I mean, I've never had anybody on the podcast that actually It's It's, it's great. Yeah. They have a lot of, I'm not a gearhead, but but I, they have a lot of vintage equipment. A lot of the equipment is the same exact equipment they recorded Elvis with. Yeah. And they have the ability to get a really, uh, a, that retro sound that I really like. Yeah. And yeah. it was, and it's mojo in there. You know, there's right. like places in there where there's a little bar in there where Elvis and Jerry Lee and all of them used to sit in there and drink. And it's, it's just a magical place. That's yeah. really cool. That's yeah. really cool. So is it open to the public as like a kind of a museum as well? or? Well, Sun is. Yeah. Sun, but Sun is not Sam Phillips. Oh, okay. People don't know this, but uh, Sam Phillips didn't actually own Sun. He rented it. Oh. And then when he got successful with Elvis, he bought uh, Sam Phillips recording studio a couple blocks down the street. Okay. And... He sold Elvis's contract for thirty thousand dollars, which don't sound like a lot of money, but where Sam really made his money is he was one of the original investors in a hotel chain called Holiday Inn. <sighs> I, there you go. <laughs> That's where he made his big bank was in the hotel business. Yeah, he he was kind of like an individual, wasn't he? I mean, Sam Phillips. I I, I think I read about half his book, and I yeah. thought, man, this guy. Was off the hook a lot of times. Oh time, man, right? he had, think about all the people he had in his studio: Roy Orbison, Howlin Wolf, yeah, Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash. I mean, how did that all happen? I mean, yeah, that's amazing. It's like well, it's, it's one thing to have one icon, uh-huh. but he's got like a whole team. Everybody he recorded just about was uh-huh. became an icon. Well, were you an Elvis fan at all? Of course. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. I right. remembered uh, the day I was. Uh, I found out he was dead. I yeah. was at a friend of mine's house. Yeah. I was just a little kid. Yeah. And me and my friend were in the closet. We had found a picture of his mama naked. <laughs> it was a Polaroid. <laughs> she had. It was a Polaroid of his mother naked. And she she was Pentecostal. And she was standing there naked. I swear to God. I wish I had this picture. She's standing there naked holding a cigarette. Yeah. And she's got a beehive hairdo. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway... She, I heard her crying, not because we found the picture, because she never knew we found the picture, but Elvis had just died, and she was in there crying, man. It was like... Oh, my God. Yeah, when he died, it, was, it wasn't just like, you know, some Joe Blow died. Yeah. Everybody felt like they knew him, and they loved him, and it was a lot of tears that day when he died. Man. So you know, one of the things we do here on the podca- podcast, Paul, is uh, we do we do talk about your writing process, and I, you know, I'm not talking about is it the music or the lyrics that come first, but just like you know, how you sort of either you know, do you have a routine or or how do you get your your head in the right space to write a song? Uh well. Uh, I do the old school thing where I keep a notepad in my pocket all the time. When I hear something that sounds good, I write it down. And in today's world with the iPhone, if I hear a tune in my head, I've got stacks of little melodies I've put in my phone. Some of them turn into songs, some of them don't. But I'm I'm constantly open for a song. Uh And uh, at least once a day, I'll... I'll pick up my guitar and just plunk, uh-huh. and hopefully something will happen. Right. And, and what guitar do you like to play the best? Is there a guitar on stage and a guitar for writing it? For well, you? I got at home. I, at home, I got a, a, a Gibson Humminbird uh-huh. that I don't take out in the, on the road anymore because I just I cherish it too much. Sure. And when I'm on, uh, and uh, I've got an old gut string uh-huh. I ride on. Yeah, those are nice, aren't they? Yeah, I have uh, one. I, I have a 1935. 
uh, a washboard yeah. that uh, fell apart, and I had a really great guitar uh, luthier named Bill Gibbons lives out in it lives out in New Mexico, and he put it all together. And then I love this guitar so much that I, I leave it out in my house, you know, like on a stand. But I live out there in Kerrville, and it's pretty dry out mm. there. And so it dried up again, so I had to send it back to Bill just recently. And yeah. I, I just got it back. But I, I know what you're saying. It's like that whole that whole gut string thing feels really good. It's it like really you would say it's user-friendly or something. It's the perfect song yeah. for you just sitting there by yourself. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Perfect instrument, yeah. I mean. Yeah. 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 But uh, the, the songs that, you know, the, the best songs I've ever written came with a heavy price, and i give an example of that. Uh, my sister passed away a couple years ago, and she was a night owl like me, and so after shows late at night, I could always call her, and she would be awake. And so more than once when I would call, she, she would say the same phrase. I'd say, I'm sorry I called so late. She said, don't worry. She said, I love you, and it's never too late to call. And so never too late to be called to call became the title of my recent album and it's uh, it's called Never Too Late to Call and it's just about having somebody. Yeah. But I couldn't have ever written, I think it's one of my better songs, but it, it came with a heavy price. I had to lose my sister to get it. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. And, it, and as I've sang it, uh, people in the crowd, they seem to relate to it because they have their own version of it. Uh -huh. they have, they've either lost a friend or they still have a friend that they can, and they're thankful that they still have it. Right. And it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's, you know, so the good ones, the great ones, uh, for I guess a lot of songwriters, maybe you, yeah. some of your songs I bet came yeah. with a heavy price. Right, right. I, 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 there, there's no doubt, and, and I wonder why that's how we're able to like, when when either tragedy strikes or some great, great troubling aspect of your life is consuming you. It's it's funny. It's funny how you can dig deeper all of a sudden. On oh like, yeah. Like and and pull these things out but it, you're yeah. right it costs yeah it, it does and it's already written yeah right. you just gotta write it down there you go <laughs> yeah no you just gotta write no, it down no I agree but I see the jewel in the gutter to me you shine like gold when you're wearing concrete shoes at the bottom of the lake and it feels like your heart can't take a We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with our interview shortly. At Americana Podcast, it is our goal to define and expand on this thing called Americana music. And although this is where I usually introduce our friend Will Vote for his song pick for the episode, provided our bonus interview with the B3 Power Trio at the end of this, I felt like it'd be best to give you all a taste of some of their foundations. So without further ado, Zachariah Lloyd down the river from his EP, Heart in a Notebook. The B3 is waiting for the release of their debut album, but their key songwriter, Zachariah Lloyd, is making waves on his own. Having won the first place in blues for the 2020 International Songwriting Competition, Lloyd stays true to his roots. Hailing from Vicksburg, Mississippi, but residing in Oxford, Lloyd's musical career really began when he was about 21 years old. Although he learned to play in church, Lloyd draws predominantly from his personal experiences and identifies as a blues player, rightly so. With a Chris Cornell meets Chris Stapleton-like vocal, Zachariah Lloyd brings it back down to earth with classic blues-like guitar riffs and rootsy rhythms. Lloyd is a member of multiple musical projects, including the trio The B3, which dabbles in blues and funk crossover. His solo EP, Heart in a Notebook, was released in 2021 and features his song Down the River, a bluesy rock song that deals in the author's geographical inspirations before breaking down into a dark folk tale about a dodgy deal with the devil with some dubious outcomes. But they raised me well on cornbread and Jesus told me, say your prayers, you know the Lord is going to meet us someday. Better watch your mouth. I was gonna be a saint, get some good religion, put my money in the bank, try to learn some methods. But that preacher man taking 10%. Uncle Sam wants to rest for the government. Now my baby wants a little for a fancy dinner. And then there's so, other times where you just hear something, something silly and you make yeah, fun out of that. Yeah, make, yeah. Fun, make a song out of that. Yeah, you know? yeah sure. And uh, I try, that's one of the things I try to do with my, and when I go on stage is I try to. 
well, this is gonna sound crazy, but somebody I really admire as an entertainer uh-huh. is Dean Martin. Uh-huh. Because I used to watch that show when I was a kid, and he would come out there and he'd hold his drink, and he would, I don't know if he was really drunk, but he'd act like he was drunk, and, yeah. and he would sing, a, he would tell a funny joke, and then he would go into a, a tear-jerking song. He took you on an emotional roller coaster, yeah. and it was, and he just he just had you, man. He, he he was so present. It was it was like he it was like he was like Mr. Rogers or something. He yeah. was talking to me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right, right. <laughs> and I, I try to do that best. My, I try to I don't try to be like Dean Mark, but I try to do that same thing. <laughs> the alcoholics, Mr. Rogers. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Welcome to the yeah. bar. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, no, no. I, uh, I, I get it. I, I you really, do the same thing. I, I know. You do the same thing. Yeah, you're, you're an entertainer yeah. and a songwriter. Yeah. Well, you know, I do make that. I make that the uh, division. Um, I, you know, I know some great, great songwriters that just, you know, the songs are compelling enough to stand alone by themselves. But you know, I always think they need a little bit of help as yeah. far as like, and that's the yeah. entertainment part. And some I people, think there are very well, few really great entertainers like some, yourself. Well, brother. some people are not comfortable on stage. Yeah, that's true. That's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, I understand. You know, and, uh, I understand that, but, you know. Well, for you, was it like the first time you stepped on stage you felt comfortable? Well, you know what? I worked in a furniture factory. Okay, I want to have the being a preacher's son, uh-huh. we weren't allowed to go to concerts when I was growing up. Really? No, it was against our religion. Woo. It was against our was religion. Was there any music in, in the church? We had music, but yeah. we couldn't do it. We couldn't participate in anything that was secular. Right. We could listen to gospel music, but couldn't listen to yeah. anything else. So to make a very long story short, I got a record deal when I was working in a furniture factory slash playing in a pizza restaurant <laughs> two nights a week. Uh-huh. And Miles Copeland, the manager of Sting and the Police... Ah, yeah. Got a copy of a cassette through a series of flukes that of my songs. Uh-huh. You know, I was sending out tapes just right. like you did back in the day. And Miles Copeland, this is going to sound crazy, Miles Copeland came to Tupelo, Mississippi, found out where I was playing in a pizza restaurant, came down, offered me a publishing deal. I got signed to A&M Records, blah, 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 blah. And so, to, and so I turned in my... My, my notice at the factory, I quit my day job. They, they gave me money. It was crazy. And, uh, and so because I was connected to Miles, and who's connected to Sting, at that time, all right, let me just say it like this. The first concert I ever attended in my entire life, I was opening for Sting. And oh I my never, God! And I never had even been to a concert in my entire life. The only, the only place I'd ever sang was in church. That was it. Wow! And, uh, it was in Nashville, and uh, I went out there, and I wound up getting uh, like, like twelve dates opening up for Sting, which that was a big deal, you know. Man, oh man! <laughs> and uh, it's and so man, I got it. It's bigger than opening for the Rolling Stones in my book because it's rare. He didn't yeah. get out there and play, yeah. and also he's just such a great artist. And what it and what it really did to help build my audience, it's kind of like when I was over a few at Cape at the Cape Big things and everything. Yeah. I did these shows opening up for Sting, and then I could go back into that same market six months later, and four or five hundred people uh, oh, came man. back Fantastic. to see me. Yeah. And so, and then to make another long story short, right after that string of dates with uh, Sting, uh, Miles calls me. And says that Jeff Beck wants me to go out and be the opening act for him. Wow! So I went out and I started. I did all, a whole European tour opening up for Jeff Beck, and then after that, it, I had no bands at that time. But after that, this thing got out in the business that you know, big acts they want to open that, but they want somebody easy to get off the stage and sure. not no trouble. Yeah. And they found out that I could entertain a large crowd by myself, yeah. and so I wound up getting another tour with uh, Mark Knopfler. Uh-huh. And uh, I did a, a bunch of days with Bonnie Raitt, and all the time, and yourself, yeah. and uh, all those things is what built my audience. Because I never had any big record label push. Right. It's like when I got my A&M deal I was talking about just a minute ago. What happened with that is when my record was fixing to come out on A&M, A&M was being bought out by a larger company, Interscope. And so all the baby acts got the boot. Yeah. The only ones that survived <laughs> the were the acts. You know, the baby acts, got, and the only ones that survived the the merge was the stars. Uh-huh. And so, I, it's, but you know, uh, that being said, me and my partner, uh, my business partner and songwriting partner, we uh, when we lost our record deal, 
And but we but we didn't have a record deal, but we was on tour with all these big acts. So we had a little recording studio. So we started recording our own CDs. We started pressing them. Yeah. We started selling them at the shows. I swear to God, one night when I was opening, we were com we're completely independent. Yeah. One night. When I opened up for Martin Offer, we sold 800 CDs. Whoa! In one night. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah, and so we were just we're still we're still a mom and pop thing. We don't we're, you know we we have Sony Red that distributes for yeah, us, sure. but we're completely independent, and you know yeah. we stayed that way. And even though I'm not a household name, I do really well. Cause I own everything, right? Sure. You know, yeah. and, uh, and 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 Billy Maddox, the guy I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, well, I've met Billy before. Billy, but Billy is a songwriter. He's the guy that taught me how to write. Uh -huh. Because when I met Billy, he was having success as a songwriter in the country field. Uh -huh. His the most the song he's most known for that he wrote by himself yeah. was the Hank Jr. song, If Heaven Ain't a Lot Like Dixie, I yeah. Don't Wanna Go. Right. Billy wrote that. Okay. Yeah, so sure. but he had a whole bunch of Billy had a whole bunch of other hits like on people like T Graham Brown uh -huh. in that era, you know. Uh -huh. He was and he taught me how to write a song and, and craft a song, you know. He taught me what a chorus was, what a verse was, what a bridge was. I didn't know any of that. I had yeah. raw talent but yeah. he 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 and so we we built up a large catalog of songs that we had written, yeah. and that's how the cassettes got sent uh, out. Yeah, and I was 17 at that time when I when I started working with Billy. Yeah. And at the age of I'm fixing to turn 58, Billy and I have been working together since I was 17 years Son old. Son of a gun! And we have a we have a very uh, unique relationship. There's no uh, there's no paper between us, and uh, this wouldn't be a normal manager split. But because of everything and what he brought to the table and what I brought to the table, we split everything. We split it right down the middle. get too far and, 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 and I think I think we've been here for a little while so we'll we'll kind of start wrapping this up but what I'd like to ask you is like uh, one of the things about Americana podcast is we're always trying to uh, define and expand the Americana uh, brand and and so would you consider yourself an Americana artist <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you know I don't know the answer to that I don't it's, I mean I'm, I'm I mean they have this thing called Americana radio chart and yeah. I when I put a record out, I make some kind of presence on there. Absolutely. I get recognized, and right. you do too. Right, absolutely. Uh, uh, I don't feel. Let me see how I say this. You get a certain age, uh -huh. and they start. Not saying it's a bad thing, but they start looking for younger artists sure. to get behind. Uh huh. Sure. You know? Absolutely. And so, at, at, you know, I'm 57 years old. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. uh, um, but I don't know if I'm an American. I don't even. I don't know. If that's a hard question to answer. Sure, are you sure. one? Yes, absolutely. You think you yeah, are? Well, because I, I I believe in Americana as a brand and as a home and a place to be. Because yeah. I do. One of the things that I will say about Americana, they do have the Americana Association, Music yeah. Association. Yeah. They do have the chart. They do have something that we could all hang our hat on and say, yeah. yes, we're part yeah. of this, right? Yeah. As opposed to, well, I'm kind of a country folk guy, yeah. you know. And all all yeah. that sort of stuff. That's and, a good point, yeah. And, and so I like the idea, you know, people like, you know, they like branding and they like categories and they yeah. want to hear that. Yeah. So I like to be able to say unequivocally, I'm an Americana artist and yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of us out there. Also, I do believe in the world of music, it's really the only really roots-based or roots-embracing a category that there yeah. is and that you know you know there's some new artists lately uh, 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 Amethyst Clay right I mean she started out like doing stuff where she's you know banging on a tambourine and singing yeah. these great old sort of like like almost gospel but like work songs yeah, and right. stuff you know yeah, yeah. and who else would play that right who That's else right, would yeah, pick that yeah. up who else would but there's so many artists out yeah. there that really you know like like we do like you and I had started is just banging on a little uh, gut yeah. string acoustic guitar 
right. and made a little song and got it out there, but it got out there. It did, right? It did. Yeah. That being said, I am proud to be it, part of the Americana it, thing. It, I, it, I, I don't ever, I don't really call myself anything, it, right? I'm, but I'm glad that they've made me a part of it, it and they've made you a part right. of it. And it is a place we can be. Yeah. I, I wish it was a. I wish it had a bigger footprint. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's the that's the thing. Yeah, well, it, you know, yeah. and I think and I think really given that uh, that there is, you know, there, it does have a history. It's been around a long yeah, time yeah. now. Uh, that you know that that footprint will keep growing. And and I, and I and I think in terms of like you know just you know maybe. And, and and I'm I'm part of the Americana Music Association, but this podcast is totally independent. So yeah. we do this on our own. And, yeah. But I, what I like to do is say that, you know, in the future, you know, we could all get together and and be more powerful as a as a as a category, you know, yep. and say, yep. you know, this is what we do. Yeah. And uh, also, you know, I just generally like Americana music. When, like I do too. When, in, in, in those songs on those charts and those uh, those acts, I just I, I gravitate to them. I I don't have everything But what do I really need? I've been such a lucky boy I'm crying to tears of joy You have a new record now, is that right? Yeah, it's it's about a year. It's a little over a year and old. It's called, was, it's called Never Too Late. Never to Too Late? Yeah, 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 you said yeah. that before. I'm yeah. sorry. But uh, uh, what are you working on now? Oh, uh, well, I'm stockpiling songs, trying yeah. to get enough uh, yeah. that's good enough. Yeah, right. Uh, you know right. that drill. Yeah, sure, sure. So do you think you'll go back to uh, uh, Sam Phillips' studio? or do you? Th- I, I, I might, yeah. yeah. I've, been, I've done twice, and I've liked it both times. Right. And there's a young producer named Matt Ross Spang. Oh, uh, I love Matt Ross Spang. He, yeah. he, 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 he produced them, oh, that's my last great. two records. He's, and I like, I like his, he has a really good ear. And, he, and, and you he, like working with him? I love working with him, yeah. yeah. He did what I consider Lucero's best album, the Among the Ghost record, is, yep. and it's fantastic. Yep. And I listen to every Lucero record, yep. and I mean, it just bounces out of the whole bunch. Yeah, because, Matt, like, Matt's he, got great ears, he, and got, he's got great ideas, and, and, he, and like a, a lot of a lot some producers make you feel, they don't make you feel comfortable, right. but, but Matt makes you feel comfortable, and he's... Yeah. He's real calm and he makes he eases all the tension in yeah. the room. And that's part of being a good producer, man. Yeah, yeah. and I also making everybody that, relax. I, I've also heard some. I can't call them the names, but I've heard some other people that have worked with him and stuff. And it does seem like he works with the artist. That's right. And their sound, right? And that's their right. ideas yeah. about the song. He seems to have a really good ear for yes, songs he does. himself. Yes, he does. Know? There's other producers that are great. You yeah. know, you got uh, Dave Cobb yeah, and all. Sure. Yeah. Great. Yeah. But there's but somebody like Matt, uh, he should he should get more attention than he gets, I think. Right. Yeah, no, no. he's great. My, he, yeah. he, the records I've heard him do are yeah, fantastic. He is. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Yeah. So so you're just you you're, you're going to be moving into the future and doing some stuff did you do anything during COVID did you oh I did those yeah. I did those shows on the internet did yeah. you do any of them I, I, I did a couple but I, I did most of them for like uh, fundraising kind of things you know like yeah. kind of thing like that I, I, I did a couple that were just we just threw out there as like free shows you know mm-hmm. and the thing is it's like I had such a hard time tracking what was going on with them I didn't know if anybody watched them or not I know yeah, yeah. and a few times when I did it they they had I did it. They had like four or five big giant TV screens uh, in front of me with little tiny squares uh, of people who had bought a square. Yeah, right. Little, uh, it's yeah. like it's like the Mormon Brady Bunch. <laughs> it was like, you know, it's like, it like these little squares everywhere. You know? <laughs> and I was and I was you know and, and I had this. I could literally push mute buttons and I could talk to one different ones. You know, it was uh, yeah. it was it was bizarre. Yeah. You know, there's nothing. Nothing like playing in front of real people. Yeah, man. no, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, 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 I felt like <laughs> on some of the things that we did, it's just like you just sing it to yourself. But not, it's not even, it's not even satisfying because it's like you're talking about having your own hotel room because you know there's somebody watching you, so you can't spread out. Right? That's right. You know, you can't scream out something. Right. right? You just, That's right. You still Yo. like, like, kind of like. In this performance mode, but there's nothing to perform. There's to. no energy. Yeah, the, the the energy of the audience is, yeah. is, 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 is it's imperative to yeah. have it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, this is Robert Earl Keene, and we're, you're listening to Americana Podcast at 51st State, and we've been talking to Mississippi's Paul Thorne. Well, I shouldn't say Mississippi's Paul Thorne. Uh, you know, a great artist, great songwriter, Paul Thorne, and... Uh, and it's just been a pleasure to get to talk to you. I know that we tried to get together a yeah. few times, and uh, that you know there were just so many things. Just I was sprawled out yeah. somewhere, and I couldn't do it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah and I and, and, and the times that I had to postpone it, it was yeah. just like it was unavoidable. You know. Hey, man! Before I get out of the podcast, yeah, and, I just want you to know you've been a, a important person in my life. Thank you for reasons. You know, like I said I got to open up for you early on. Yeah. I wa- I learned watching you do your shows. Yeah. And I learned some how to, you, you gave me some whether you know it or not I watched you yeah. and you showed me how to entertain too yeah, yeah. so I ain't kind of like Dean Martin did and you will be greatly missed by myself and thousands of other people and whatever you, you do on the fourth quarter of your game I hope it's good for All you right, man. Man. I <laughs> thank you I, I, I really appreciate it Paul uh, but you know it, go, it goes both ways uh, I you know as far as like entertaining and seeing somebody live to be you know, if I do it this way, you took it to another level. I, I always just think, God, this guy's just on fire. So oh, thank you. Really, thank you. Really appreciate it. I have one last thing, and, we, and this is funny that we did this today. Uh, we usually end the show with this uh, question about the B3 organ, and it just turns out that the first act here today at this Natchez, Mississippi uh, festival that we're, that, that we're at uh, the name of that band was called the B3, right? And they were a little blues band. It's a three. It was a power trio: bass, drums, and a guitar player. But they didn't have a B3, right? <laughs> so I had them come in there because I always ask this question about the B3, and I had them come in there and try to, you know, explain their their take on the B3. It turns out that they named themselves B3 because. They were three really big guys, and they really were giant big, guy, big guys, you know. Yeah. And, and they and that they also wanted to piss off B three players because they didn't have a B three. So the question is this: We think that it's a crime that something as beautiful as the B three is named like it's a military piece of equipment or something. Yeah. And I, you know, I, so we are always collecting uh, new names for it. So if it were in your power to be the person to name the B3, give it a real name, you know, and you would, uh, what would you call the B3? Man, that's a hard question. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm asking of everybody. So there we go. I've got a, I've got a list. <laughs> I don't have anything clever or witty, but I mean. It doesn't I, have to be clever or Well, I mean, but I just grew up, when I grew up in church, they had B3. Yeah. And we just said it was an organ. The organ. So and so plays the organ. That's, that's, I mean, I there wish I had something more. I wish I no, could, no, no. That's I wish great. I could part the waters like no, like Moses. But not, not, okay. not, not a contest at all. Hey, I remember I'm, it's one thing you said a long time ago. I've never forgot. You was trying to describe your music. Uh-huh. You said I was trying to describe my music. I couldn't think of anything since so I looked out my hotel window and the sign said "Best Western." Yeah, and so that's what I am. I'm Best Western. Best Western music. There you go. Yeah, gonna, sir, you can you can ask Colton here. I still keep that one in my back pocket. You do, yeah. yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> you know, I never forgot it. I never forgot it. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Americana podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Robert Earl Keen, and we've been talking to uh, uh, just a great artist. To Paul Thorne, and I want to thank you, Paul. Thanks yeah, for being on, on, on the on the show today, and uh, I look forward to more stuff. You know, even though that I am retiring, I'm still listening to music, and I'm certainly just li- listening to your music. Thank you so much. If we don't see each other again, we'll be all right. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good deal, man. Thank you so much. All thank right. you, man. And now for our bonus interview with the group, the B Three. Howdy, everyone. This is Robert Earl Keene. You're listening to Americana Podcast, the 51st State. And today we have Bubba and Zachariah and Will from the band B3, who I'm just assuming that uh, they can give us some, shed some light on our question. If you have an opportunity to change the name of the B3, what would that be? We've had numerous answers, every kind of answer from the Galactic Thrummer to Mrs. Leslie's husband to uh, oh, Billy Bob Thornton. He said uh, he said the roadies nightmare. So we've got lots of names for the B3, but now we have a band that calls themselves the B3. And the first question is, 
why isn't there a B3 in your band? <laughs> well, it, we get that a lot, it was one of those deals where, like, what, what can you name your band? And a lot of back and forth. And then we're like, well, we're really three large guys. So <laughs> we really wanted to piss off every, yeah, every B3 player. Yeah, right. but, so yeah. it, was, it was B3, big three you know three big guys really yeah so oh i get a oh, three big guys so yeah. it was just b3 yeah. just like and kind of mess with keyboard we kind of threw this bit. thing together <laughs> yeah. like uh we were, we were talking about I was like man it's actually it's pretty decent you know we're, we're, we're kind of grooving pretty well so yeah i was like well, what should we call this it's like a three piece and i had at the time i had this little multi-effects bass pedal called a b3 bass it was a uh, b3 yeah and uh was like well, let's just call it b3 the b3 yeah so now we just yeah now we just piss off b3 players <laughs> <laughs> do you ever have one sit in with you right? we almost had one one we're in starkville mississippi and uh, uh he's actually an episcopal priest yeah. a phenomenal uh, uh keyboard player amazing and uh something that, oh the gig got canceled because it iced yeah so again, we're still pissing off. <laughs> so uh, you would call yourself a, a blues band? Would that be what you'd say? It's kind of it's kind of it's a lot of I mean, we're, it's we grew a melting up in, pot, you know. Like we grew up yeah, in, Delta. in Greenwood, Mississippi, Mississippi, yeah. Mississippi Delta, and Zach grew up in, in Vicksburg. So uh-huh. it's kind of a little bit of everything. I mean, uh-huh. it's, we like uh, we try to rock out. We, we dig your music. We like yeah. funk. We yeah. like folk. We like uh, yeah. blues. We, you know, right. a bit of everything. So, so we just try to pull from a little. Every, right, right. Whatever's fun to play at the time. Well, I have to say, uh, like over the years historically, uh, the the power trio uh, has always seemed to have a, a quicker line to some some attention and some success. I mean, is that is that what you're going for? To, uh, to some way, in some ways. Well, kind of, but the, the power trio thing comes from. I guess me being a little selfish, you know, because, uh-huh. you know, I don't have to, uh, you know, we can just go in without practice or anything. I mean, it'll be a little sloppy, but with, with three people, it's yeah. easier to just kind of like go off and jump up. And uh, yeah, once that know, chemistry's there, yeah. a lot of times you don't have to talk about stuff. You can just, right. just and play. And so yeah. As far as being able to excel a little more as a three piece, it's because it's easy uh-huh. because you only have three people to deal with. So right. And there's not so many people. Right. Man. Right. So, so back to the B three as a, as an instrument. Um, I mean, a beautiful beautiful keyboard instrument that's been used in bands. I don't know how long. Colton, do you have any idea? I don't have. Yeah, but it's got to be back the to the sixties, probably fifties, fifties, really. Yeah. 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 So, have you like uh, researched the B three itself just because your name is there, so you can well, answer some of these questions? I'll, I'll tell you a cool B three story. Yeah, okay. Or it's not. It's a tragic B three story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, tra- oh, God. Uh, oh god. Back. In oh, the- we don't have enough pathos in this at all. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. yeah. But uh, back in the fifties, uh, my grandparents bought a B three from Memphis, Tennessee. Same uh-huh. guys that did all the uh, like stacks B threes uh-huh. and all that. And they brought it down to Greenwood, Mississippi, and uh, and so they would sit around, you know, and sing songs and play the Hammond B3. They yeah. had the Hammond Tone Cabinet and the Leslie, they had both. Ooh. And uh, but uh, then they moved it to. What does the Tone Cabinet do? Just because I, it's it's just it's a non-rotating speaker, I think, uh, okay. that, that Hammond made before okay. they bought out Leslie or something okay. like that. Okay. But um, anyway, uh, then uh, they they replaced it with the Lowry organ and then moved the B3 to my great-grandmother's house right. where my dad was living. Uh, and then in 1980, the house burned down and we lost the B3. Oh, oh that is so, tragic. So I always, I always think, like, if we had had a B3 in the house when I was growing up, I wonder if I would have been a, a keyboard player. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Page was too much. Absolutely. Before I get to my final question here, I want to mention that Zachariah here just won the Mississippi Songwriter, Best Songwriter in Mississippi. Yeah, Songwriter of the Year. Man, that is fantastic. I mean, because there's been some great songwriters come out of the state. I agree. Yeah. It blew me away. There was a lot of great competition. Yeah, and so uh, how did that work? Did that, you you sent in one, two, three songs kind of thing? uh, I sent one song in. One song, Yeah, and then they did like a competition with a panel of judges and stuff. Yeah, that's where you would play play like it live or this is they listen to the recording oh played live yeah you played live yeah so you play the drums and you were playing live is that yeah, how i played was? the guitar oh you played the guitar yeah, yeah. this is so, solo 
I, I got a solo thing. So you got a solo thing going on, right? I do. Yeah, so what was the title of the song that won? Down to the River. We actually That's played it today. Down the River. Oh, yeah. well, I heard that. That's cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was I was blown away. Yeah. He does this whole, like, uh, he, picks, he picks on the guitar and does the whole rhythm with his hand, too. It's pretty neat. No kidding. Well, here is the question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to each one of you. So, so Bubba, if you had an opportunity to change the name of the B3, and you know this is this is because we really feel like that it's a crime that the beautiful instrument like that has kind of a military name, and what we're looking for is something just you know just that grabs people or just sounds better than B3. Bubba? No, no pressure. Huh? Yeah, no, no pressure. pressure. No pressure. Six seconds, Bubba. I don't really have anything witty to say. Yeah. Uh, I'll move to Zach Ryan. You can think about yeah, it. Yeah, there you All go. Right. Okay, Zach Ryan. Man, yeah. D3. Yeah. It's a beautiful organ. It's yeah. got power. Yeah. It's got tone. Uh, I don't know. The monster organ. Uh, the monster, monster organ. organ. There you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. And I, uh, Will. Uh, Will plays a guitar. You know, I was thinking tone wheels of death. Tone wheels of death. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yes, sir. <laughs> there we go, man. Bringing the pathos into Americana <laughs> podcast. Will over here, man. Fantastic. Okay, Bob. We're back to you, man. Oh man. Come oh, on. Man. All right. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like a. It's like a coffee table, which is probably better as a coffee table, just because you don't have to haul it upstairs. But uh, I don't know, man. The uh, the the tone. How about top the tone wheel of death? Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, well, that's pretty well, it's not the a contest, spinning, <laughs> The spitting speaker of uh, of, of pain. <laughs> there you go. Double decker keys of pain. <laughs> Double decker keys of pain. Yeah, that's that's yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. like that. Well, the black keys hurt worse. Uh, uh, <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna add that to our list, Bubba. We have been talking to Bubba and Zachariah and Will from the band B three out of Natchez, Mississippi. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you so hey, much so for much being for here on Americana us, Podcast. Yeah, and uh, your, your band sounds great. And we just wish you all the best of luck. Thank you so Thanks, much. Man. Right. Appreciate Thank it you. so much. All right. time we would like to thank our host Robert Earl Keane, our guest Paul Thorne, and the members of the B3. Americana Podcast is brought to you by Keane Productions, recorded and engineered by Colton King, edited and produced by Clara Rose, with original music by Kim Warner. Until next time, let the music